Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, <clears throat> which as a point of reference, I'm recording this August 18th, 2020. And I was just on my uh, homepage um, and I was just going through, you know, articles, you know, trying to, you know, kind of see what was going on. I don't really watch, you know, a lot of TV. And usually most of the time when I am watching TV uh, is usually just uh, older movies that, that I watch and stuff like that. But so I I like, again, like I mentioned in the past, I like uh, Business Insider because it's, it's a free service that essentially compiles um, a lot of news articles together. Some free, some are paid, but um, a lot of them are free. But as I was going down, I spotted an article that was from the U.S. Today. Title, Former CIA Officer Charged with Spying for China, Conspiring with a Relative Who Was Also Ex-CIA. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at this, it just feeds into the mindset that, okay, the U.S. and China have tensions. So, obviously, you know, you would probably have individuals that are on the inside that are working for the other or vice versa. So I would suspect that they're individuals that are giving information back to China as well as their information in China that are giving information back to the U.S. And that's just how it is. And whoever is the best uh, at concealing this information, you'll be able to do it. So at first glance, when I saw this particular article, I thought just on first glance, just based on the headline without even delving into it, I said, okay, well, this is something that, you know, is relatively recent. Obviously, maybe someone was doing it maybe a year, two years, and they just now caught them. But as I went through the article, it stated that according to court documents, and I'm reading this uh, directly from the article, According to court documents, well, <laughs> let me go back up. <laughs> let me slow down. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. Uh, the suspect being charged with espionage is Alexander uh, Yuk Ching Ma. So Yuk is Y-U-K Ching C-H-I-N-G Ma. Now he's 67 years of age, right? And... Um, Again, is alleged to have provided Chinese officials information about CIA personnel, operations, and the agent's method for concealing communications. Okay, now, Ma was a naturalized U.S. citizen, but he was born in Hong Kong. And the individual that he conspired with was, his, was an 85-year-old relative who also served as a former CIA officer, right? So essentially we have two individuals that worked for a 
worked for the CIA conspiring back. So again, like I said, I thought maybe, okay, well, maybe this is a two-year, two or three-year type of thing, you know, nothing that's been long-term. So as I went further down the article, it stated, according to court documents, Ma and his unnamed relative began working with the Chinese in March 2001, which they say is 12 years after he had left the agency. So he left the agency 12 years prior, but he did not start conspiring with the Chinese until March of 2001. So we're talking about, at this particular point, 19 years, right? So the article continues on. It says, during three days of meetings, parts of which were captured on video, Ma is allegedly shown accepting and counting $50,000 in cash in exchange for information the two former officers passed to their Chinese counterparts, right? So, um, says some of the parts were captured on video. And, you know, sometimes the way they put things in articles, they, they make them a little bit more than what they are. So maybe, maybe, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't counting counted out $50,000 in cash, but obviously it was a substantial amount of money that he counted out, right? So, continuing on, <clears throat> it states that he had been living and working in Shanghai when he left the CIA. He moved to Hawaii in 2004 where he sought employment with the FBI in an alleged, to, in an alleged attempt to once again access classified information to provide to his Chinese handlers, right? So, <clears throat> Again, the man had been off the record, you know, off the scene for 12 years. Um, uh, the article doesn't state essentially how um, or why he um, began doing what he's doing or maybe began doing what it was that he uh, that he did. But it's just is is very very interesting because what it what it what it shows or what it says to me is that if an individual has been doing this for 19 some odd years then obviously whether or not you know this I, I can only look at it from this particular side I can't look at it from another side because I don't have an article from a Chinese outlet that states that a US <clears throat> citizen, has been well not u.s citizen but a a person that was working for the u.s that has been based in china has been getting secrets and information and giving it off to u.s officials so i can't say that this is a tit for tat type of thing i can only look at it from what it is and which is that okay this is 19 years in the making so what we have today we have something that happened during the um Bush presidency, right? And this has spanned three presidents, the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and the first term of the Trump administration, that this individual has been a conspirer, conspirer to help 
bring forth information that could be very damaging to us. So, um, as it moved on, uh, he got hired as a contract linguist in the FBI's Honolulu field office. Uh, he was assigned to review and translate Chinese documents. Uh, it states that during the next six years, prosecutors alleged Ma regularly copied, photographed, and stole documents that were classified as secret. So, there we have it. Um, he ended up getting a job with the FBI as a contract linguist and was translating Chinese documents, right? And so, top secret information, he was giving it back to his Chinese handlers, as they put it in the article, in exchange for gifts, expensive gifts, right? So, moving on down the article to just to get to that, it said, Ma took some of the stolen documents and images with him on his frequent trips to China with the intent to provide them to his handlers. Prosecutors alleged, adding that he often returned from his trips with thousands of dollars in cash and expensive gifts, such as a new set of golf clubs, right? I'm not a golfer, but I've been to like Dick's Sporting Goods, and I know that a golf club set is 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 fairly expensive if you're getting a good one, right? I see how much they are individually, so I can only imagine, uh, and I don't know how many clubs you need, but... Obviously, that's that's an expensive uh, purchase, right? So, um, moving on, and then I'm kind of gonna I'm gonna kind of get off of the uh, the article. It says the trail of es the Chinese espionage is long and sadly strewn with former American intelligence intelligent officers who betrayed their colleagues, their country, and its liberal democratic values to support an authoritarian communist regime, regime which is what. Um, Assistant Attorney General for uh, Assistant Attorney General for National Security John C. Demar said, uh, "This betrayal is never worth it to the Chinese intelligence services. These individuals are expendable to us. They are sad, but urgent reminders of the need to stay vigilant." Okay, so <clears throat> that basically um, sums up sums it up. Right. You were accepted for the most part. You were accepted into uh which I look at this as a as a as a brotherhood, as a society, CIA, FBI, you know, all of those, um, as they call them in the urban communities, the alphabet boys. You were accepted into this. And Thoroughly vetted, right? Thoroughly vetted, and you essentially turned your back, right? And what <laughs> what gets me is later uh, later on down in the uh, the article, um, it stated that uh, federal investigators learned of Ma's activities. According to court documents, when the former CIA officer discussed his work during two meetings with an FBI undercover operative, whom I believe to be a representative of the Chinese intelligence service, right? Um, 
He allegedly accepted $2,000 from the undercover FBI agent as a small token of appreciation for his years long assistance to China. Right. So this is the, um, <clears throat> to me, this is the highlight of the, of the entire article. Right. So it says prior to his arrest last week, the prosecutor said that Ma again accepted payment from an FBI undercover operative and expressed his willingness to continue to help the Chinese government referring to China as the motherland. Let me read that again. Expressed his willingness to continue to help the Chinese government referring to China as the motherland. Right? The motherland. Now, obviously, uh, if he's convicted, it states that the maximum punishment is life in prison, right? But that punishment for probably the amount of information that he had given, you know, obviously we're not doing uh fair, I mean, unfair and cruel punishment, um, you know, cruel punishment for, for these type of things. So you essentially, you essentially get a slap on the wrist because the man is already 67 years of age. Now, obviously I don't agree that, an individual at that age, um, irregardless of the crime, especially if the crime, if you're committed at that particular age, um, I don't necessarily feel like, depending on the environment that you're going to, um, it's not necessarily going to be, you know, pleasant. But at the same token, he's lived a, you know, a life. He's 67 years of age. And life imprisonment isn't necessarily, I don't feel, is just as much of a punishment as it sounds for the crime that you committed. Because let's just say if you live the average of, a, you know, the average, um, you probably only, have, you, you know, you got 20 years. Now, 20 years is a long period of time. But who's to say that this this man doesn't perish within the next two or three years? You know, just speaking, hypothetically speaking, then, you know, the amount of information that he's given out over 19 years is probably grand. Right. And again, it goes back to my previous podcast when I talked about the, the U.S. and China in a Cold War. It just. <clears throat> puts fire on that particular log because as the um, assistant attorney general stated, you're considered an expendable entity, right? You're considered an expendable entity. So it's, it's, it's much easier now seemingly with the, with the advent of technology because technology has grown tremendously in a 19 year span that this individual as the saying goes you will you are essentially grandfathered in you were probably grandfathered in under a system in which okay the the way to do it was to still use human beings to get into um certain circles and you can give that particular information away but moving forward 19 years, which again is it's a long time, but it's not a long time 
But if we look at the advancement in technology from 2001 to what it is now, it has made massive and quantum leaps. So the type of information that could have been given is the type of technology that they're using to um, create programs for making sure that files that are um, on computers are under certain grids. They're not easily accessible and things of that particular nature. So you may have given away information that is going to cause for an entire revamp of a particular system. But seeing as that you've given away for over a 19 year period and it wasn't until recently, you know, after they were able to say, oh, my goodness. You may have given away the entire particular different thing. And so, like I stated in my previous podcast, this particular war may not be one gunshot, right? It may not be one actual physical casualty, right? But a lot of things are going to go on behind the scenes that are going to, to, to essentially reshape the world. And so, again, when you think about this and... Again, just to touch back on a TikTok situation, it's a harmless app on the surface, right? But again, we don't know this true, true intentions of it or WeChat or any other Chinese uh, integrated um, app or platform that is able to collect data is able to collect information, right? So we don't know. So, you know, to just to read it for a third time, he expressed his willingness to continue to help the Chinese government referring to China as the motherland, right? So even though he's an authorized U.S. citizen born in the U.S., but residing in Hong Kong, his allegiance was still to his homeland. Now, we have a lot of individuals at, <clears throat> that have, um, you know, a lot of conspiracy theories. But the way I look at conspiracy theory, I look at it from the way the Dick Gregory perspective that uh, conspiracy theory is nothing more. And I'm paraphrasing. Essentially, is nothing more that has not been okayed on major news outlets. Right. That's all it is. It could have truth to it. You could have um, all the evidence in the world. But if it may be deemed non-beneficial to a larger group of people, then it's not going to be um, pushed to be truth and it's going to be labeled a conspiracy. So a conspiracy theory isn't necessarily false. It just isn't accepted. And sometimes it's, it's not accepted for reasons that may be a threat to another group of people, or it could just be a situation in which it has limited truth to it. It's not a whole bunch. It's limited truth, right? So that's the way I look at it. So again, there's probably information that he came across during his time in the CIA 
And there were things that he probably felt that may have been detrimental to individuals back, as he says, the motherland. And when he saw his opportunity, he and his uh, unnamed relative in the situation, because as it stated in the article, he was a former CIA as well. So you have these two individuals who are former CIA at 67 and 80 plus years of age. The type of things that you've probably seen, heard, read, were sworn to not tell anyone, they may have missed some things that were going to benefit the American people, but could have been more so detrimental to your, to, as you say, again, the motherland of China. And you essentially, as they say, um, you're just expendable, but there's always casualties of war. There's always casualty. We could label individuals who were frontline individuals in wars. Y'all were expendable because that's why y'all are on the front line. The individuals that are deemed unexpendable, those are the ones that are putting the strategy together. So while he may be and his unnamed relative, while they both may be expendable, they were able to do something that allowed for the individuals who are deemed unexpendable to chart the path of which they're going to be moving forward, right? So, I mean, with this particular article, like I said, I don't, I don't watch um, a lot of television, so I don't necessarily know if this is something that um, grabbed any major headlines. Uh, I mean, honestly speaking, the article wasn't even necessarily at the top uh, when I did my initial search, you know, as I was just going down my homepage. So it wasn't necessarily even at the top. So obviously at the top, it's just um, bombarded with um, election things and other things of that particular nature. So I had to stroll, scroll uh, a little while before I actually came across it. But it just it just goes to show that it is you know we're in the middle of a <clears throat> of a war right and again you know not um speaking too much about what what trump said i mean things like this you could you could possibly look and say well maybe um, a virus such as the coronavirus, it may could have been utilized as something that um is damaging to a multitude of things because uh, as I stated in my last one of my last podcasts when I was talking about um you know the Cold War between the US and China, when I spoke about the aspect that um a multitude of U.S. companies that do business over there said that they didn't have any intentions of leaving China, right? So you could almost look at it from a standpoint that if you have a multitude of big players in the game who feel that that China is so, so attractive that I can't leave, then you almost look at it from a standpoint that China maybe could say, okay, well, we know that we have y'all, so what we need to do is we need to weaken our adversary, right? And so it's it's 
as, as they say, every, you know, it's all fair in love and war, right? It's all fair. So, whereas, again, like I said, a bullet may not be fired, but at the end of the day, us over here who are American citizens who aren't necessarily registered to be registered to be in um, the armed services may end up being casualties of a war that has been raging. If we're looking at this particular article has been raging at least for 19 years, if we're looking at it from this particular standpoint, but obviously I'm sure it's been raging on more. It had to be raging on since probably the eighties. Again, going back to what uh, current president Trump said about the unfair trade agreements and this, you know, the intellectual property theft that uh, a lot of Chinese uh, individuals are partaking in, right? So, um, it's an interesting development. Um, at the end of the day, um, it's it's unfortunate because obviously I don't know if the information. That well, I'm sure the information that he did conceal and information that they were able to get, I'm sure that probably won't be um, revealed to the public, right? Obviously, it won't. But I mean, depending on the amount of time that you worked at the CIA and the fact that they kept you essentially on payroll for 19 years, there had to obviously be something. Excuse me. Not just something, but there obviously had to be a lot of things that uh, took place for them to keep you on payroll that long. There was a lot of information that you had, a lot of context that you had that you were able to have uh, candid conversations with, with them feeling that that you were a trusted individual. Because, again, you know, you were vetted. You know, you essentially took an oath not to dispel this type of information to anybody your closest friends and most definitely not the biggest competitor to the country that you worked for for again it didn't say how long he had worked for the CIA uh prior to him leaving but you know it's it's a lot going on outside <laughs> i'll say that it's a lot going on outside right but um this is another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'll be back to you again next week. Peace.